really wasn't kidding. Yes, it is that time of the week. Your favorite time of the week. Well, that's presumptuous of me. It may not be your favorite time of the week, but it's certainly mine or up there. Top five, top favorite times of the week for me. And that's when I release a brand new episode of Terribly Funny. And here it is, a new episode. Hey, gang. Hi, friends. How are you? It's me, your host, your wayward lover, your best friend, Steve Bazalone. And this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. You get it. You understand how it works. And today we've got a great episode. We have a very talented, funny, uh, astute writer guest, Lauren Bands. What can I tell you about Lauren? Uh, Well, I have worked with her for the past uh, five years or so on the situation comedy, The Goldbergs. Uh, She's a delight. She's a ray of sunshine. She's a little weirdo. She's a very talented writer. She's also, before she got into uh, the televisions, she worked in the journalistic space for a very long time. She worked, you know, for fancy places like GQ and New York Magazine. She still has uh, writings that appear in both of those publications and many others. What I'm saying is she can write more than just dick jokes. That's all I can do, but she can actually string like thoughtful, insightful words together. She's talented, she's smart, and today we're going to talk about fun stuff like, hmm, how there is no right way to feel or process uh, having an abortion. She's going to talk about that, what her experience was like for that, and also, uh, subsequently afterwards, uh, in in talking about that and writing a piece about it, what it's like to feel uh, threatened, to be bullied, to uh, be af- made afraid for your life because uh, some maniac stranger is uh, operating under the cask of anonymity and is allowed to make you feel very unsafe. So we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, it's time to eat your vegetables. Let me do this part. Let me hawk my goods, my P.T. Barnum part, and say, hey, do you like this podcast? If you do, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mom. She probably wants to listen to shit while she's on the elliptical. Do that. Also, go to our SoundCloud. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe. Go to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Say, hey, man, Bazalone, you're cool. Or whatever. Or you can say, hey, man, eh, you're fine. Whatever. You just, just be a part of the conversation. Also, you can check us out on social media. It's terribly underscore funny at Twitter. You can give us, uh, follow us there. Give us some likes. That's cool. Also, uh, check us out on Instagram. It's Terribly Funny Podcast. Or if you want to drop me a line, say whatever the fuck, you can do so at Terribly Funny Podcast at Gmail. I'd love to hear from you. Last week, got a message from my old uh, college friend and acquaintance that I haven't spoke to for a very long time. And it was nice to know that uh, these little earnest conversations, uh, you know, moved the needle for him, made a difference to him in his day to day. So that's cool. And I'd love to hear the same thing from you. If, if you love it, if you like it, if you feel fine about it, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. We're all friends. Anyways, that part's done. Thank you. You got through it. Wasn't so bad, right? Now let's get to what you really came here for. And that, of course, is uh, the delightful, the talented Miss Lauren Bands. Let's get some theme music. All right, a little preamble. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's happening? Oh, you have a sexy podcast voice. Yeah, well, it's all a facade. I just put it on for that. Yeah, you no one's normally, ever heard my real voice. This is not how you sound no, in real life. Like, hey, <laughs> welcome. It's real. It's like Godfrey Light. <laughs> I'm know? gonna drop down an octave too. Yeah, please. Hi, hi. Do I sound like um that lady Elizabeth? Oh yes, Holmes. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Theranos. Theran- That's Thanos. 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 <laughs> We're talking about the Marvel universe. Yeah. No, I know you're talking about. I just did the. What was the name of the thing? I didn't see the doc. I just like. I didn't either. I just heard people talk about it. This like is great. It's all Donnie talked about. This is really. great. This is a two. This is what I feel like. It's usually just a two people who kind of know what they're talking yeah. about, getting mad about something, right? Or making a joke that <laughs> uh, you don't get it either, so it's fine. This is like a little simulacra of LA as a whole. Mm-hmm. Just every conversation. Well, going I on. read this headline. Oh well, I read this headline. Did you read the article? <laughs> no. 
No, I now just read the headline in the comments, like on Deadline. Really? Like, headline, and let's see what like. But the comments are, are always saying. gross. I know. They're always terrible. But that's the fun of it. Who cares? I guess it know. just makes you feel real bad about humanity. Yeah. It's like rare when it's like a couple of times they'll just be like, you know, couldn't it happen to a better lady or a better guy? And that's right. nice. But there's always one guy like, fucking cuck. This is Trump's America. I'm like, what? What? I know. We're t- like, he sold a story about a dog. I know. Why is this Trump's America? I know. And then there's one always from like a dad or a mom that's like, they've been great since birth. Can't wait to see what they'll do next. And yeah. Like, well, that's, that I get behind. Oh, it's, I don't. I oh, you like don't? the, you're a cuck. This is Trump's you like, America. Oh, that's what you like? You like yeah. the angry stuff? Yeah. Does it feel like it helps you exercise, like, whatever, or you just, like, laugh at it? I just laugh at it. It's not catharsis. I guess so. Like, my like, jealousy kinda, of other I people. I kind of want to say that, but I'm not going to, because I'm a reasonable person. Exactly. But somebody else did. I don't did. say Ha-ha. words like cuck. Right. Except now publicly on your podcast. Yeah, a lot. You're, <laughs> you're, you love saying cuck. I do. With your low, low voice. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to get you to do this forever. Oh my god, thanks. I know, I know. I was only ready, like, last month, I've decided. Why last month? What flipped? <sighs> I don't know. I have a fear of public speaking, which yeah. is, this isn't really public this speaking. This is private speaking. It's, an, it's, it's, speaking. it's, it's a, we're in an opium den. This is like a little know, warm little really hug. nice, and this room is very warm. But oh they're god, like big you. mics. They are. Well, they used to be, I only made this transition recently, this year, because I used to just set this little recorder up, and... The sound quality was not super great, but it was like very, it was not invasive, so you could forget about it very easily. Right. This is, you were a little bit more reminded of the fact that you're having like an actual recorded conversation. Right. So, yeah. No gotchas for me, unfortunately. I feel like I'm in that, what was that uh, George Clooney movie about? Good Night and Good Luck? Yes. Yeah. David Strathairn. Can I say that at the end of the podcast? Oh, you have to now. Okay. You've set it up. (laughs) I'm going to do like 10 false cues, like when I want to switch subjects. I'm just going to go, Good Night and Good Luck. That's pretty good. Okay. It's not like original, but I like it. Um, all right. I feel like we've preambled. Tell me some bad You're shit, bro. Oh, um, oh, wait. Was that to me or just to the universe? The that universal was to the universe. You. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was to one specific person and you know who you are. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm highly blessed. Sure. I feel like I probably have the least bad shit happen to me of anyone who's been on your podcast. I don't think so. And also, it's all relative. It's all relative. You've told me like some stories in the room about just like some childhood stuff that is truly like, oh no. Just, really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like a very funny story, but your Bono story about... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like just little things that like childhood embarrassments that are like, oh God, that, that would have left a mark. Right. Yeah. I think I synthesize things fast Mm -hmm. and also I have a horrible memory like you've heard me tell a story (laughs) like change like 18 of the details when it happened five minutes ago yeah yeah and it's truly because like I then believe that's what happened it is joyful though because you always like make it a little bit better and then also the the gullibility of you is very high which is because you just want to believe in the most like salacious thing which is very fun it's so fun Mm -hmm. I mean live life through my Oh lenses. yeah, yeah. You just Where like every, like coworkers are fucking and oh sure. Yeah. It's like you just you don't have rose colored glasses. You like TMZ colored glasses. <laughs> Where everything is just very exciting. That's so true. I'm yeah. gonna um, borrow that. Please expression. have at it. So smart. Um. Anyway, the only bad thing that's happened to me that's had a lasting impression was just the backstory for the bad thing. 
I got an abortion when I was mm-hmm. 25, and that is not the bad thing. That was like the best thing that ever sure. happened to me. Sure. Um, but I was just, I was dating someone at the time, and I was on birth control and really? still got pregnant. Yes. Oh, this is a what great... What is the percentage? It's like 99% effective? Yes, yeah. except for this is going to be a good PSA. Please. I was on something called ortho-tri-low. Mm-hmm. It was like the mid-aughts and like the low hormone ones were right. all the rage. And what they don't tell you is that if you weigh over 140 pounds, it's less effective. Really? Or my gynecologist did not tell me that. Like how much does, how much, how much less effective? Does it go from like 90, 90, 98 or does it drop dramatically? I think it's like more dramatic than a percentage. Right. Like it's on the, if you ever read the fine print of the thing, which I did after, mm-hmm. it's like on that, like women who weigh over 140 pounds should not be taking this. <laughs> it's 20% effective. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. slightly better than pulling out. Basically. Slightly. No, I think pulling out is actually Yeah, that makes effective. that makes sense. That's yeah. true. I'm into pulling out. Yeah. I shouldn't advocate that publicly, but. No, well, I mean, I don't think it's the best method, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, Israel's been doing it for like decades and it works for them. I'm amazed. I've said, I've told this before, but like my grandmother had nine kids yeah and it was like granted it was a different time it was after war that people they felt like they had to make people or something right but like nine kids that's insane motherfucker wrap it up or just pull out like it was like that wasn't okay like if you know you're irish catholic like you don't believe you can <laughs> wear yeah, a dick bag but just pull out i know you I... don't need nine kids could she walk i don't know i feel like the last birth must have been like a sneeze and oh there's a baby <laughs> It's like my dream birth. Yeah, sure. That sounds so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cheers to your grandma. Yeah, she, she would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I guess this is radio so people can't see me, but like, mm-hmm. I would say I weigh like 142, 140, maybe? 141, 140. maybe? 140.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like built like a, a stern German milkmaid. Yes. Okay. A stern. <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah. Uh-huh. Like formidable. Sure. Formidable is my body type. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that like on a checklist? Yeah, we have to like apple pear, yeah. formidable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got pregnant and like I found out I was maybe like five weeks pregnant. Like sure. you miss a period at four. This is what's like all fucked up. Uh, yes, the six uh, weeks is very problematic. Yes, it's very yeah. problematic. But five weeks is, I feel fast. Most people don't know that fast. I know. I felt weird. Like, my boobs hurt. Right. It was weird. There was enough, like, uh, uh, tells. Yeah. Also, I feel like when you're younger, the tells are probably more significant. Totally. Yeah. Like, I had felt nothing like it before. It was mm-hmm. cool where I'm like, ah, oh, my body's telling me something. Right. Um, like, when you get food poisoning, you're like, uh-oh. Something's right. going to be bad in, like, five minutes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I just went to Planned Parenthood and got an abortion at, like, six weeks. And it was totally dope and not hard at all. Um, and Did- I... They make you feel very supported and very, like, empowered and... Not, like... Yeah, I mean, all my friends were great. It was also just, like, no big. Right. (laughs) Like, it was a real no big. Mm. I thought it would be bigger because every, like, narrative we always get about abortion is, like, it's the hardest choice in the world, but it's still important. It's a choice. And for me, I'm, like... I spent like an hour trying to decide what Postmates to order, mm-hmm. and this was like the easiest, most joyous decision. Just because of where you were in your life, and you knew it wasn't like substantial, yeah, and you it weren't was just ready like, to. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Especially when you were, it wasn't like you were being irresponsible in any way. If you want to like play, if you want to play like I know, devil's advocate, I know. For that side. was probably it too. You're also being like you were doing everything you were supposed to do. I know. You're taking responsibility. Yeah. You're I doing felt the like shit. Yeah. A very like good girl. Yeah. Um, I was taking birth control. 
yeah, it just like Try was low. a fuck up. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened and it was totally fine. And I ended up like, you know me, I like say everything that's ever happened to me to mm-hmm. everyone. You're kind of an open book. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, even when I'm like, I'm not going to tell that story, I end up telling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I've had, I've had moments <laughs> where you're like, I can't, I can't tell you this in like legit 20 seconds there. Oh, this is the thing you just said. You go, okay. All right. Great. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah it's hard for me. Yeah. Um, great journalistic, uh, instincts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I shouldn't have any secret sources. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up writing this essay about how I when I told people which I told a lot of people like women tended to have like a super sane natural reaction right and men whether well-meaning or not well-meaning were kind of like confounded and just like found it awkward and like I was treated like a hero I remember my one friend when I told him who's like the sweetest he was like oh my god and like wrapped me in a full hug and it's like you're so brave and I'm like I don't feel brave. I just feel like I did this thing. Like not blaming him at all, but there was this sense that like it was just more alien to men and especially when I was dating people. I went on this date like eight weeks after my abortion and for some reason it came up immediately on the first date. Not even my That's a good icebreaker. Yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. He had just he had had ball cancer. Okay. Um, and he was describing the surgery and he literally looked at me and asked the question, have you had any surgery? And I was like, well, yes. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, sure. Yeah. We're having a conversation. You just we're talked about your testicles. It. So we're talking about vulnerable stuff. Exactly. Um, so I told him and he just got very awkward and he went to get more drinks. Motherfucker, you're just talking about your, your testicles I being know. operated on. I know. And that's okay. That's fine. Right. Right. I just, it was this feeling when I was dating that I was like kind of damaged goods and it's not even it's like I must have some like huge emotional weight that I'm carrying around with me about it yeah I mean I I get that just because I feel like unless you have like a first-hand experience with it I feel like that's what we see mostly right how it's portrayed right because I think I think like what you're saying is 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 very important to say that is like that's the importance of having the choice but like I feel like it's usually people are so sub uh, um, because it is such a hot button issue. Like people don't want to marginalize it, so always make it this very heavy weighted issue. Right. Which for a lot of people it is, and other right. people are like this is just what's right for me. I know what I'm doing yeah. is right, but I feel like that would be my instinct to be like, make it like, are you okay? Because I've never had to deal with that right. firsthand. Right. Totally. Yeah. It, yeah. For me, it was like a great day. I took off work. I remember I read that like Paul Feig memoir where he's like masturbating mm-hmm. to Cole's catalog. Sure, sure, sure. And then I ate ice cream and went out for Negronis. Like, I was like, what a beautiful day off work. Yeah. That's, like, what it was to right. me. And I think it was just hard for men to, like, process that. I had one boyfriend who, and this is so, I don't know why I'm saying this on the radio, but every time he used to come, mm-hmm. he used to be like, I want to get you pregnant. Like, that was, like, his thing. Like, he was like, it's so weird. That As that's, a bit? It wasn't a bit. Okay. It was like, he's like, this is the emotion I have as I'm orgasming. Really? And then he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, that must be so hard for you to hear. And yeah. I'm like, no, like, it's not like hard for me to hear because I had had an abortion and had to like think about pregnancy. No, I think it's just hard to hear because it's a weird thing it's to say, fucking man. fucking weird. Yeah. 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 Um, so there was just a bunch of stuff like that. So that's what the essay was about. And it was like funny and glib. Mm. And I got, I had been used to writing about myself and like people would be like 
uh, you're ugly or something, sure. but nothing terrible. And like the comment section of a deadline article. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're a Trump supporting cock <laughs> all the time in like 2007. It was yeah, weird. That is weird. Yeah. Ahead of the curve. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up after this article getting an email that I shouldn't have opened. It was titled you can't. And I was like, what is this going to be? Yeah. That's, that's usually a pretty good, uh, uh, warning flag, but it's also like, it's a little bit of like the, when you bit your tongue and it hurts, but you just can't stop poking at it. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it was a year, it was like 2007, 2008 where, I think cunt was just like coming back into vogue, like you suck. Sure. So I'm like, maybe this is a friend saying, right. "Hey, you cunt." <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah, but it's somebody from a, a zoominternet.net email. Yeah. Yeah. Earthlink. Yeah. This is probably a friend. <laughs> they just wanted to open an anonymous mm-hmm. email to surprise sure. me. Um. So I opened it, and it was just I don't like remember all the details. It was a very, very like long, like maybe 600 word scary email about how I was like a whore and a cunt for writing this article and having an abortion and treating it so lightly. And also that he was going to kill me. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Like, did they not see the, like the irony in that the hypocrisy in that? Yeah. They never do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, who is that much time? I don't know. I thought he was British. I don't remember why. I was going to... Cunt is very British. Cunt is very British. Yeah. And there are some spellings where I'm like, oh, oh this is a British guy. So color I... O-U-R and like gray was E-Y. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the color of red of your blood or <laughs> uh-huh. whatever. Sure. Um, Spot on accent. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> if you want me to do a whole episode, that's just Oh, accents. just all your accents? That'd yeah, be great. I'm totally willing. I would love that. Um, anyway, it was super scary and he laid all, like, it was a letter that was totally designed to freak you out. He laid out all these scenarios, like, like, don't go home with anyone at a bar because it might be me and then I'll, like, chop you to bits. Like, shit like that. Like, truly just intended to create fear. And it did. Yeah. I've never had anything like that before like no it, i think most people probably don't right because right. I, I i this may be naive but i think by and large people are pretty okay it's like the Anne frank yeah. and like i think most people are trying to do their best right sometimes you lash out and you fuck up and you're not successful in doing your best but right most people aren't trying to be dicks no and even the ones that are if it's like again like you're a trump loving cuck on mm-hmm. a an article yeah. it's like yeah you left a comment in an article you're a horrible turd who has nothing to do with their life it's not like this personalized like long email well there's anonymity to it and you're also right. not trying to instill fear you're just like right. maybe you know didactically spouting espousing whatever anger you have right but it's not like hey i'm gonna chop you into bits which is terrifying it's so terrifying. also he said to bits that feels british so too. british yeah. it's totally a british guy yeah yeah and i haven't been to england since i'm gonna stab you you wanker <laughs> Yeah. Chim chimney, chim chim. Oh, that was definitely chim. British. I think this was Dick Van Dyke. Sure. Rape you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. That took a twist. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was like. That was uh-huh. like kind of the tone. That was his sign off. Yeah. Mama. Well, it wasn't David Strathern. We can sure about <laughs> no. that. I love him. Yeah, he's great. So much. Um, yeah, that's terrifying, though. Yeah, it was terrifying. So I called my one of my best friends, Natasha, and we like went to the police station with my laptop, and they were just like, mmm. I don't know why we can't do anything. I thought, like, 
the Brooklyn police would be able to do like a sophisticated IP search, but yeah. they were just like, no, and like, we're sorry. And then I ended up like sleeping over at my friend's house because I had lived alone mm-hmm. um, for like three nights. Mm. And then I like went back to my apartment and I just like, it was just the beginning of my anxiety disorder. Like I started having panic attacks, like it would be on the subway and I noticed someone looking at me and like maybe they were even trying to flirt with me and I would be like, start profusely sweating and have to like run off at the next stop. Like I just, I clearly have the DNA for anxiety anyway, but this is what like unlocked it and like unleashed it into my life. Um, And it just took like, a year until I wasn't like afraid when I went out at night. A year's stuff. a long time, man. It, yeah, it is a long time. And it's actually like there's no real silver lining, but I think I did because, again, like I have a formidable body type. Sure. I did walk around New York a lot late at night, like with my phone out and like just was always like, I'm not the weakest prey. Like right. no one's going to pick on me. So it probably did make me more careful mm-hmm. in my life which isn't not a, bad a terrible thing. thing it's not a bad thing as long as like fear isn't dictating your choices right right, right. i mean yeah. it's great to be careful that's always you cannot be cavalier about like you know the notion of it happens to other people totally yeah 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 but it just yeah it it was interesting i like I saw a therapist and I ended up going on Lexapro, which has been over 10 years now and I'm like not able to get off. It just kind of like turned, like turned my personality. Hmm. Even though if I think I got a letter like that now, like I would be totally fine. Yeah. Just be like, this is fucked up. What do you think has changed in that because you're older and you've, you're older or is it because you've been through it or because you have more life experience or? Maybe all of the above in some way. Um, I think I truly, I mean, my personality is still very, I put everything out there and say everything and do everything, Mm -hmm. but it was very, very much that before I was 25 and I had never had an experience with someone disliking what I said or coming at, like I had never even experienced like a small amount of that. So when I experienced such a large amount of that to the point where they wanted to like chop me into bits, Mm -hmm. it just kind of like shifted my worldview a little. Like it's like, oh, there are things I should keep to myself. Do you, do you think that that had like a ripple effect that you still feel that way? Or is it a little bit, are you more guarded with those kinds of things? I'm asking many questions at once, but it did also make you like moralize some of your decisions in a way that you hadn't been before? Maybe. Yeah. I think so. Like I, after that, I started working at GQ and I wrote like essays about dating and sex mm-hmm. and I decided to do them under a pseudonym, which right. I had never used before. And I was kind of a joke where I'm like, I don't want my grandma to read it and know that I'm like talking about what kind of butt sex is better. Sure. Which is valid. But yeah. I also was just like, I don't want to bring this attention on myself again. Like I'm not, I wasn't like brave enough to do that anymore. Yeah. And now I look back and I'm like, ah, oh, some of these essays are like hold up and I think are really funny and I wish they were under my name. Right. But yeah, it's made me less brave in arenas and in like weird arenas too. Like 
shortly after I never had like a fear of heights, but mm-hmm. I went on a hike and I'm like, I hate heights. Like, really? All this weird stuff. I just like discovered like it, it gave me fear. It was like the, the dam of anxiety broke. Yes, huh. totally. Do you feel like that that was at some point, was it like a, a simmering and, and, and at some point there's going to be a catalyst that unleashed it just because of mortality and getting older totally. and just like not the in, invincibility, naive, uh, ignorance of youth. Or was it this specific thing, and had that not happened, your life might be different? I think there would always have been a catalyst. For some reason, I think of anxiety as, like, you have this genetic disposition, like, much like people have, like, certain cancer genes, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's a matter of time until it unleashes. I remember in high school finding out from other children, I'm like other kids I guess in high school Mm -hmm. (laughs) that when they were children they didn't wear like scientific grade safety goggles to clip their fingernails and like my dad always made us I like didn't realize like my whole family's full of anxious people I just didn't realize it because he thought that the shrapnel was gonna blind you yeah he thought the nail clippings would fly in our eyes Jesus he's a very anxious person god my dad's very anxious but he doesn't do that Oh yeah! Wow. We I grew up in Minnesota and we had an ice skating rink in our backyard and like we couldn't go. I, I've never been ice skating because he was afraid we were gonna behead each other. Behead each other? That's... I could see like you're gonna chip a tooth, you're gonna knock your teeth out, maybe get no. a finger. No, it's like the skate was gonna slit our throats. Oh boy! So like anxiety runs in my family. Sure. So it was just it was there. It was, it was a just matter of time for it to unlock. Yes, but I think it was just like pretty happy and confident before and it just hadn't like manifested and now now I'm just anxiety is like a daily part of my life god do you subsequently feel like a ton of anger and resentment towards this unknown earthlink man kind of yeah he probably it's probably like Eli Lilly or someone who wanted me on pharmaceuticals sure he goes around like yeah. poking people it's the guy out. who raised the uh, the the HIV medication what was that yeah. guy's name Screlly yeah Martin Screlly yes uh, exactly. what, a, what a winner yeah hot pharma bro yeah um yeah I do like it's just so weird because I'm sure I don't know the personality profile of people who like write those kind of letters, but I imagine I'm not the only woman he's ever written a letter to. I like think of him as like Ben Stiller and Greenberg, just like (laughs) sitting writing horrible letters to women. Well, that's the thing. It's like it made, I wonder if like, it'd be interesting to, if you could ever find this guy to like know if he, if it made an indelible mark for him at all. Right. Was this like something about like how you portrayed this experience in your life that is oftentimes given a lot of gravity and weight, like with a certain nature of, uh, of like levity and glibness. Is that like what really triggered him? Or is this just the thing he does all the fucking time and he will never remember this because he's done it so many times? Right. I have no idea. It's a great question. Because he's still like operating like in the comment section. He's still operating under like the basic guise of anonymity. He can right. say all these terrible things. Right. And he may not meet, like if you were to find him, he might be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right. Or he may just be a monster. Yeah. Maybe he'll be dead. No, well, probably. Yeah. Well, he was using the internet, though, so he can't be that old. But, yeah. you know, things happen. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. I'd like to think, like, I affected his life as much as he mm. affected mine. But I kind of think he probably just does this. Right. Like, gets, like, a kick out of it. God, what a weird fucking kink. Why does yeah. that make you feel big and powerful? Or why does it make you feel afraid? I don't know. I mean, I've had the impulse 
before to do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not coming from the opposite side of the aisle. Like right. I, I post Trump being elected, like signed up a username on Reddit for the red pill and would like stay up late at night and like listen to these guys who thought that they were owed sex and like women should have long hair. And like more than once I started like a long message about like how small must your penis be? Not like I'm going to chop you up and kill you, but I was like, your kind will come to an end or whatever. Like that's, that feels like that's based in, well, I mean, I guess I guess for him, it's probably feels like it's based in real merited anger too, and he feels like threatened or right, I don't know what right. it, it, it doesn't mean it's accurate, but right. But yours is not threatening. No, yours no. is not like yeah. The guy was clearly the guy who wrote me is clearly has rage or yeah. murder problems. <laughs> yeah, he's he's there's some sort of instability. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I do feel like. Um, Never in the same capacity, but like, you know, in the context of like uh, uh, feeling insecure or attacked or uh, or like, you know, when relationships go bust or south, like I feel like my um, my drafts in my Twitter is like the is basically the new screaming into a pillow, <laughs> just like <laughs> write so it true. there and oh, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm right. not gonna, but I could. And then you also get the uh, the joy of feeling uh, uh, moral high ground because like I did it, but I didn't. Totally. I could have. Which it's is like the new diary. Yeah. Does yeah. it feel good just to like get it out? Even I guess. Even if you don't post it? I guess so. I mean, to some degree. I guess yeah. just knowing that it's there and also knowing that you didn't have to be petty and childish. Like right. you, you could have and that's your instinct and that's okay to have that instinct. But it's, you know, it's like the same thing about like writing emails in a draft and saying everything that you want and then not right. sending it. Right. Because it's recognizing like I have these feelings are they going to be productive? Are yeah. they going to be constructive? Like that guy could have done that same thing. He could right. have written that email and then just not sent it. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But I clearly, you know, there's a certain level of uh, compulsion and mania that you don't have that, you have that trigger you can't stop. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, I've never acted, this is the first time I've like actively tried to dive into his mind. Right. Um, yeah. No, he's probably a psychopath. Yeah. Which is cool. I yeah. Don't I don't. Well, here's a question for you. Um, do you now, seem where you are, and understanding that this like one event like profoundly affected you for a year, but has like had a ripple effect for the last decade, do you regret having written that piece? That's a great question. So immediately after it happened, I emailed the site it was nerve.com that Mm -hmm. ran it which is now defunct and it was like you have to take my name off like i this makes me vulnerable and they did and then i but it was still showing up it got picked up a lot of places so it i had to email like every like jezebel and every blog and every person who tweeted it and be like please delete like which was a very embarrassing exercise, and um, it is embarrassing. But I think people would understand. Like, people, I got this very threatening email. Yeah, I feel unsafe. Yes. Yeah. So I did kind of erase it from my personal Google history. I emailed Google, and they mm-hmm. took it down. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it's still it was up there under, I think, like Lauren or Anonymous right. or something, um, and I still like. 
I don't regret saying those things. Like everything I felt about my abortion and like the ease of it and the weirdness of talking to men about it, I think were important things to say. And I like stand by those opinions. Um, I do think it made me cautious about what I was writing for a while. Also, when I was writing it, and maybe this is still the case in uh, like the media world, which I'm not really in anymore, but there was like a lot of capital on women writing like very emotionally about their experience. Mm-hmm. It was like the days of like Emily Gould and Gawker and everyone right. just like putting it all out there. And so after that piece, like I got a lot of emails, like, will you write more about this and more about, and I just said no to everything because right. I just didn't want to touch it. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. I think, like, a lot of that was, like, a little exploitative. Like, we just want, like, women to air their pain because, like, people click on it. Right. Um, But, like, maybe some things would have been worthwhile that I turned down. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's um, just even, like, doing this thing is, like, how much of this is... uh, like, I'm not doing this for money. It's purely a hobby. Right. So it doesn't feel exploitative in that way. But it also, like, I would like people to listen to it. Yeah. But it's also, like, by and large, uh, and there's probably, because I, it, I am the, the face of it, not the face, the voice of it. <laughs> so, like, there's clearly some vanity in, in Twixt in that. But I think by and large, it's just, like, I think, like, a lot of, like, hopefully uh, just making people feel less alone. And isn't yes. that kind of like why you wrote that? Just to be like, hey, here's an experience I had. And I feel like it's not unique. Yes, totally. And I love a personal essay. I love mm-hmm. a memoir. I think they're beautiful. And to create something, not to sound cheesy, but like art out yeah. of pain is like a very beautiful process. I was like, the era in New York was more people being like, write about your breakup and like name names. And like, it was just like a little grosser. Right. Not like right. what you're doing is lovely. Oh God. So lovely and altruistic. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it weirdly affected me less in writing than it did. I think I have like a weird way of processing anxiety, I guess, or pain where it just like, I shove it to weird pockets. Right. Like I, it truly manifests itself in like a fear of heights and then like sweating during conversations. Right. And that was the thing you never had before this. <laughs> never have before. Wow. Like I've had job interviews, which aren't like threatening, like predator style sure. confrontations. And like, I'll start sweating and like I'll have to excuse myself. And it's just like an anxiety that gets shoved into different places. Right. It's very strange. Well, you're a very evolved person and I know you have to, in fact, leave this at a certain point because you're going to therapy. So true. So like, is that a thing that you discussed? Is like trying to figure out like, obviously that's the catalyst, but like if it's still manifesting itself in other ways, like like a fear of heights coming out of nowhere is like, because that never bothered you. It was one thing if it's like five and then like, what's the incident? But like if you're 26 or whatever, 25, like that's... There was no incident. Right. Really. Right. It wasn't like you were in a plane that got loopy. Yeah. It's something we talk about. I think at this point it's been over a decade, like the cat's out of the bag. Right. And it's like seeped all over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Right. The cats, cats always seep. They seep. That's they seep. the That's verb most yeah. associated with cats. 
that sleepy cat. Yeah. Um, but which is just a cute way of saying sleepy. Oh, that sleepy, sleepy cat. cat. <laughs> it's Mondays. Uh-huh. Why did I say that? Garfield. Yeah. Goodbye and good night. Good luck and good night. Close. Ugh. But it was good though. Ugh. Um, but I think now I'm just like consider myself an anxious person and it's more like it's not like I'm blocking that this event happened to me. I'm well aware it happened and like the anxiety has mm-hmm. kind of like big banged itself to all the other areas of my brain. But now it's just who I am. Right. And I'm like okay with that. I just try to like take prescription drugs or microdose and right. like manage that sure. shit. Mm-hmm. Really into microdosing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're into macrodosing too. Love macrodosing. Yeah. Yep. Microdosing. Micro, just all, macro. The, all the dosing. Yeah. 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 Overdosing. Sure. Just occasionally. Yeah. Once yeah. in a while. Um, but yeah. And like I kind of enjoy life as an anxious person. Yeah. What's the appeal? Or what is, is there comfort in that anxiety? It's like your blanket. A little bit. I also think it's given me um, some emotional depth that okay. I might have lacked before. Sure. Like, I experience pain and heartbreak and all of that stuff. But, like, having a persistent, like, anxiety and depression problem you have to fight against makes you, like... Give you feel some street like, cred? Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, ah, when I, like, have to write an emotional scene, I'm like, I can channel something here. Right, as opposed to just, like, that guy broke up with me once. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's, like, a, it's a low, uh, like, a constant throbbing of right of discomfort. Right. Don't you sometimes like being, like, depressed or sad? Oh, yeah. I uh, sometimes worry that, that I romanticize it or feel, like, too comfortable in it. Right, and, right. And that that I sometimes look for it or I like like a low grade of like there was um do you remember do you remember the movie uh Parish de Tem or was like the anthology of all the different and there's this great one with Margot Martindale that Alexander Payne did where it's like she's just in she's like a a mail carrier from Colorado and she saved like her whole life and she went to go to Paris and she like she's narrating it as like a way of her essay for the French class that she was in yeah so she tells about her whole journey and it's this like lovely thing at the end where she didn't have the trip that she was expecting and she wished she had someone to share it with. And like, even though she could speak French, people clearly saw her as a tourist and because of the kind of tourist she looked like, here, just go to this restaurant. This is what you want, dumb right. dumb kind of thing. And there's a moment at the end where she's sitting in this park and it's just like a beautiful day and she's looking around like people in love and people like walking and just a kid playing. And she is, like, the first time that she understood this, like, feeling of happy and sad coexisting at the same moment. And it's, like, really beautiful. And I feel like that is, this is a big tangent, but it's, like, this thing of, like, I feel like that's a thing that I yearn for sometimes. Yeah. And maybe too much as opposed to, like, let's just focus on, like, trying to eradicate some of the sadness. Even though I think that's an important facet. Like, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah. That was a long tangent. Without happiness, there's no sadness. Oh, my God. And vice versa. Yes. Probably more importantly, without sadness, there's no happiness. Yeah, yeah. But it shows our mindset. Yeah, there's something, especially now I'm, like, not working or I'm, like, looking for work. I'm like, what would I wake up and do if I didn't have to, like, consider how I'm going to, like, manage and fight my anxiety today? Like, it's kind of an activity that gets you out of bed. Really? A little bit. How so? I don't know. I think I'm, like positive person with anxiety so i spin it as like a project sure sure <laughs> so, okay that's nice it's yeah. nice to have projects it's like i'm working on my anxiety yeah. today i'm gonna like 
exercise and meditate and... I mean, I think that's very good. Yeah. Because it's very easy to overlook that shit. Right, right. I think, yeah, it's whenever I don't have structure, that's when, like, I start to, like, spin out and become, like, more self-critical and more, like, not kind to myself. And that trickles down to other areas of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Anyway. What, um... What... in the in the wake of uh, you know Georgia and Alabama yeah. and every other kind of garbage state um, now leading this uh, um, puritanical uh, charge, yeah, did that like stir the part the pot for these feelings that you experienced a decade ago? It totally did. It made me very angry and everyone's posting about it on Mm -hmm. social media and i started i think like busy phillips started this movement that was like um share your story share your story i forgot the hashtag and i wrote out a whole thing and i was like i got one and blah 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 and i was about to post it and then i deleted it i'm like Mm. i don't want to share this like i'm not embarrassed about it i'm obviously sharing it on my podcast and i feel like i drop it in casual conversation but i don't want to like make a big statement about it like right. I posted a lot about supporting Georgia and donated I just like didn't want to make it personal sure and I think that was probably it's both like a reaction against like I don't think I'm a person who wants to like share like very serious things on Instagram because it's an app for pictures yeah. but I understand that people do and like that's their own thing and some mm-hmm. of it is very admirable um, but also like I don't think I want to share this like publicly a ton like that's not it's not gonna be like my not gonna be a survivor story. Right. Just I it's don't your, know. It's your maybe own. I'm in denial. Well, I don't know. I think it's one thing to be like um to feel confident or to feel good about the things that you've lived through, but not they don't need to be um a um an edict for other people. Right. They don't, they don't, this doesn't need to be, I don't need to like shine a light on this. Right. I'm still processing it to some right. degree. Yeah. Everybody has their stories and if they can, if they want to share it, that's great. Yeah. Also like, it just seems like very, I guess I, it seems very normal to me to have an abortion. Like literally 50% of my close yeah. women in my life have. So. And what's the t- statistic? Is it one in three or one in four? One in four. One in four. But, um, yeah, I just, it just seems like, yeah, we all have done this. Yeah. Like, it's horrible. It shouldn't be taken away um, or be threatened in, like, a gross Supreme Court political ploy. Yeah. But I don't know. It just seems, like, very matter-of-fact and not that it, sharing it would be this. I guess the point is, in sharing it is that, look how many people have. But right. I guess I already know that. Right. Also, I'm probably still fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly, yeah. like you said earlier, and this is something I wanted to ask about, that you said Lexapro is what you're on? Yes. And that, like, you can't get off it now? Do you have a desire to? Yes, yeah, so much. Yeah? Haven't you read, there's so many scary, like, New Yorker stories about people trying to get off of it, and they go insane. Yeah, mania yeah. around it, yeah. Yeah. I tried to go off last October, I think, and for a month, I was like, I've been missing out on happiness. This is amazing. I would see like a butterfly and be like, this is so beautiful. I feel so happy. I'm going to cry. And then a month later, I just got, I was like, I can't write a sentence. I'm so anxious. Mm. And that's when I started microdosing, which helped a little. I was like, acid will be more natural. (laughs) And it was. Yeah. Yeah. Are you back on Lexapro now? I went back on. 
why is it is is it just be the is it the weaning process people try to get off too quickly or is it just like all kind of alters your chemistry entirely i think it alters your chemistry so you just like it becomes your dependence yeah. no amount of weaning really does it yeah there i mean there's all these very scary uh pieces about it some people get off successfully but mm. a, like a large portion of people just never get off and they wean they do it with their doctor it just becomes impossible how is that still like okay with the fda no idea. Is there just not enough clinical data to like yeah. really support it or something? Yeah. Or they also don't care because it's And you're like just be on pills for life. Like the earth is on fire. <laughs> like it's a very kind brave of. new world. Yeah. Like, why not take your chemistry Take Soma. Why not? Yeah. yeah. It's going to make things a little bit easier. Exactly. Yeah. To live in like a slightly dulled gray world. Yeah. 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 Did you, do you feel that way now? Like, uh, seeing the butterfly and like god damn it i guess the thing i think was pretty now i don't give a shit <laughs> there's a one month where i experience beauty again right kind of yeah yeah i'm like oh that's so lovely the thing with lexapro is like you don't just you just don't dwell on stuff right. in the same way that's nice yeah and you don't feel the swell like i still feel happiness and can appreciate beauty but i remember the month i was off it was like this swell of like an overwhelming reaction to a butterfly sure <laughs> which probably isn't natural either and there was a period where there was a fuck ton of butterflies around like and well that was I february know. though you must have been losing your mind yeah that yeah. was great i killed a few drivers. <laughs> jesus christ that was great <laughs> so that was beautiful. the great part oh yeah. god i love seeing life is fleeting yeah. yeah um but yeah so i think i'm okay with like a a slightly muted experience at both extremes just, just like, seems more livable, like a drinkable wine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do agree. I mean, I think that's the thing. Like where I've when I was talking about earlier about like the navel gazing and like do I do I romanticize like sadness too much? Right. Because I think there is like in the peaks of the such uh, high highs of happiness and euphoria and the lows of like despair. Right. Like that does something chemically to you that is like kind of addictive. Oh, completely. Like it is like the ser- it's serotonin on one side and dopamine on the other or like, you know, uh, just adrenaline. And those are the things that like... It's a drug. And also like it makes you, to your point, like the anxiety makes you get even more street cred. Right. Like your sadness is like a little bit more... Right. I'm go- I got some stuff. Yeah. I'm special because I got stuff. Totally. Which is like such a weird backwards way of totally. looking at things. But... It feels like authentic. You're like, this is human. This yeah. is what being alive is about. And I'm feeling it all. And I'm not getting help. Like, yeah. I get it. It's yeah. like very alluring. Yeah, I think so. Just to feel like that you're nuanced and complicated. Right. And you're, uh, I think there's something that comes in with like the pride that I'm, I'm making it through some stuff. Right. Like if it is a scary year right. from an email or just anxiety totally. or just heartbreak or whatever. Totally. And, but the like fucked up thing is even when you're on pharmaceuticals, like you still have to make it through. If there, what, if my doctor was like, I'm going to give you a pill to like take it all away. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> like I'd still do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that they don't even like help that much. They just like help a little. You just make it so you don't dwell on shit. Yeah. 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 What would you say after having gone through what seems like a uh, definitely cause a real catalyst for change in your life, both good and bad? What would be your like advice to anybody who um, is a worried about speaking out because of the consequences, or somebody who's experiencing those consequences and right. is subsequently afraid? Um, that's a good question. 
I thought it was going to be, what is your advice to someone who wants to write a really terrifying letter? And I was like, oh, here are the details. Okay. You got to sound British because <laughs> that'll throw people off. If you're not British, right. definitely do it. Yes. Yeah. Be from a foreign country because mm-hmm. it's alien. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a hard thing. I think people are just like wired and built differently. Right. Um, I'm sure some people could get a nasty letter and like shrug it off and other people would have like much more trauma than I had. I guess my advice would be to like realize we're in a world where communication with each other has become so easy to the point where if someone wants to gets an urge to say something unbelievably destructive, they can do it very easily. Right. Like it's not like, the letter was delivered by pigeon carrier (laughs) that would be like a lot more terrifying so that's like a caveat to keep in mind that you know it's an angry person somewhere in the world who just happens to have access to you at this point in time um which probably doesn't mean that much in the long run no i think you're right and i think it is just like to remember like so much of it is about anonymity and if you ever came across those people oftentimes when those people are confronted there's like it's a metaphor I've made many times, but it's just like when you're in traffic, somebody cuts you off and they give you the wave, like it kind of mitigates. You're like, right, right, you're a person. So if you're in front of somebody and they see you as a person as opposed to being this amorphous fucking thing that is like a target for whatever insecurity or anger I have, yeah, it's like, oh, right. Sorry. Right. I feel embarrassed. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people's like id... Are, is getting more of a voice. I think the sure. internet is like the in id nertet. In id id nertet. Internet. Id internet. Yeah. I can't even do it. That's alright. We got there. We'll edit this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're gonna sound great. Great, great. We'll get that pun um, out the first time. <laughs> and like that's what it is. It's like I mean I guess there's some smart good stuff, but a lot of it is like a collection of people's like crazy inner workings, and I guess it's nice to know that everyone has like a a crazy person ranting inside of them right yeah kind of yeah i guess that is like kind of humanizing like oh right even the people who i have i hold in high esteem they're probably broken in some way right yeah yeah i had a thing to your point uh or just about like wondering about the pathology of a guy who writes this writes a letter like that a what who hurt you (laughs) Uh, what are you afraid of but uh there was a night in February, my buddy uh, Todd's movie had premiered, and went to the went to the movie, and then went after went after went to the after party, and was driving home, was coming home a little bit late, and wasn't uh, boozy or anything because I take cars whenever I right. do that because that's like a that's my adult move, and also it's not worth it. Um, I know I understand it's a luxury that I can pay for lifts and stuff, but Jesus Christ, when I was young, <laughs> such an idiot. Um, but was coming off the 101 and turned, and there was like a a double lane, and I accidentally I cut off a guy. I fully cut him off. Yeah. And I was like, f- immediately aware of it. It was my bad. Like, I waved. I was like, fuck, sorry. And it was, you know, two miles from the house or something. And he fucking came right beside me and, like, would not stare at me. And I gave him the wave. And I was like, I'm sorry. I did, like, the gestures. Hey, like, sorry, hey. my bad. And just would, like, fucking staring at me. Like, mean mugging me. And then got in front of me. And then wouldn't drive fast. And then I blow back and then he got behind me and he followed me all the way home to the point where like I was like is he following me or is he just like happens to be going the same way that I made like a circuitous route and he went every turn and there's a point where I was like getting close to my house 
where like I like kind of stopped at a stop sign and he was another stop sign behind and I gunned it so I put a couple blocks before us between us so I could get into my house and he wouldn't know which house it was but then motherfucker he stayed outside of this general like housing area and like revved his engine for like 15 minutes after I got home that is so fucking scary and it was genuinely scary and he was like not like a big dude or anything yeah but it was like just the pathology of somebody who does that right and it was like I felt silly for being afraid but I was also like, I don't know what this guy's capable of. Right. Especially like after I already did like, oh, it's my fault. It's my bad. Yeah. I, I recognize I fucked up. But it's I... It's so over traffic. It's insane. And it was late and it was not a big deal. Right. Like nothing happened. Um, but then I also, I wonder like, does he remember that at all? It was five months ago, four months ago. Do you think right. he remembers that at all? Or is that like an occurrence? Like he's done that many times. Is that like leave a mark for him? Or it's just like, oh, well, this guy was an asshole. And now I just showed him. Don't be an asshole. I'll be a bigger <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I think that guy clearly has, like, rage issues. For sure. Um, it's like, he probably doesn't even remember it. And it's no. like, maybe in a couple of years, I won't remember it as vividly. But, like, right. it left a mark for me. Yeah. And it was unsettling. Yeah. Did you call the police when he was outside your house? No, because it, like, it was just only, like, ten minutes. So right. If he'd been there for a while, I probably would have. Right. But it was, and also I felt, like, a little bit embarrassed, kind right. of. Yeah. But it was just, like, very unsettling. Yeah. And I'm sure for him it was like no big deal, but also it, it occupied like a half an hour of his night. It's so great. I mean, my dad, I never honk at people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is going to be another story about how my dad's crazy. But um, my dad was like, don't honk at people because they might have a chainsaw. Well, a chainsaw, you're going to have time to get away from that. I know. I wouldn't be worried about a chainsaw. chainsaw. But yeah. now I'm like, I don't honk at people because, like, what if they're a crazy person yeah. and they take out a chainsaw? Yeah. I mean, I'd be more afraid of, like, knife or gun. Chainsaw is just like, it's it's awkward. Yeah. For them to get it's out true. of the car is going to be a thing. And yeah. they're likely to hurt themselves, possibly. And you That's can gun it. They have to get out of their car That's and you true. can gun it from them. And, like, they probably have it in the trunk. Yeah. It's, so it's not going to be in their back seat. Yeah. yeah you have yeah, plenty sure. of time to figure that out. Okay. I'm going to start honking at people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. In moderation. Yes, totally. It's the microdosing of honks. Yeah. It's just like sucks being a grown up and being like, oh, other people are scary. Yeah. Like the world is just like other people are scary. Yeah. Is that dismal? Um, I don't think so. But I also... I wonder, like that guy who wrote to you or the guy who followed me home... They gotta be afraid of something too. There's gotta be fear in yeah, them. Yeah. So is it just like all posturing? I mean, the guy f- with me was probably much more posturing because it was face to face to some degree. Right. There wasn't anonymity. But I don't know, man. Yeah. Feeling out of control. I have no idea. That's gotta suck. You gotta get that guy who revved his engine to come on our podcast. Yeah, I gotta find him. And he's just gonna beat the fuck out of me. <laughs> but you know, it'll be cathartic for both of us. Yeah. Can you uh, air it all? Can I air it all? Yeah, record it. Oh, the, the, the and... beating? Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm sure it'll be fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll win. Thank you. I appreciate okay. your... Well, I can, we'll I'll, re- the, I'll re-edit it. The backseat chainsaw. Uh-oh. And then, and then I get my chronic and railway. Right. Um, well, thanks, man. Yeah. I really Thank appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. Do you want to do your sign-off? Yes. Um, best of luck and have a nice evening. You didn't do the David Strathairn. That's how you said you're going to end it. Good night and good luck. There it is. All right. Um, we'll do your accents another time. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. I see evidence of you and
There you have it, friends. Another episode of Terribly Funny. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking time out of your day. I really appreciate it. A big thank you to Lauren Bands for taking time out of her day to come and sit in my little den and chat with me about some tough stuff. I really appreciate it. She's wonderful, right? I think so. Uh, if you want to see what else is going on with Lauren Bands, check her out on the Twitter. It's at Lauren Bands. That's at Lauren B-A-N-S. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Lauren. Uh, a couple other thank yous. Thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for art and music. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing all the shit that I can't do, like edit it and put it up online. Those things. Thank you, Hayden. And the biggest thanks per huge goes to you, dear friends, just for, uh, you know, being a part of this little community, for uh, listening to me bullshit and uh, talking to some friends. I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I love you. <laughs>